everyone and welcome back to mascot talk a college football podcast we got me and bridger here as your hosts um crazy last weekend of college football because of the amount of picks that i got wrong and just we got wrong in general like it was just it was crazy but uh we'll we'll get into that when we review all the games that happened this past weekend but um, me and Bridge kind of wanted to highlight the new CFP rankings that dropped last night. So we got Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, and then you got Tennessee and LSU at 5 and 6 on the first two out. So um, Bridge, kind of what, what are your takes from the newest CFP rankings and and what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I'm a little sick, so I apologize in <laughs> advance for any sneezing, coughing, sniffing. Um, and obviously my voice sounds a little off, but um, the thing that I noticed is uh, how many SEC teams do you count in that top six? You get three, right? And mm-hmm. uh, not, that that's, not that I have any issues with the top six. I, I do think that's the – I do think those are the – six most deserving teams as of right now. But it does create an interesting discussion as far as what could happen down the road. If you did have, and I don't know that LSU can even come close to beating Georgia in the SEC championship game, but it would be an interesting discussion if they did beat Georgia in that game because they're – they've been put into a position now where they are the number six team. Could you keep them out? I I would probably say no, but it's, it does create an interesting discussion. And at seven, you have USC and they still have some big games on the table. They have a game against UCLA this week, and then they have another ranked game next week. And then they're going to go into a PAC 12 championship game assuming that they win and play another ranked team, either Oregon or Utah uh, or UCLA even maybe. And it just, it's hard to uh, see like what the committee would do in that scenario. Right. Um, uh, Even a one loss Ohio state or Michigan, depending on who wins that game, like, if Ohio State w- loses and they're at number two, how far do they drop? Or uh, vice versa with Michigan. So definitely just creates an interesting conversation. You have uh, two Big Ten teams and three SEC teams in the top six. Not a lot of parity. Pac-12 obviously destroyed their chances of making it to the playoff <laughs> this last week. And uh, the poor Pac-12, man, they'll... <laughs> They haven't been represented in the college football playoff for eight years, so they've only been represented once in the in the CFP. So, yeah, they just beat each other up. Yeah, I I agree with the the top six. I don't think that anyone should have a disagreement. Um, the crazy thing is, is I believe that if somehow, because I think it's going to take a miracle for LSU to beat Georgia, because I just think Georgia's that good. I think if LSU can beat Georgia in the, C, in the SEC championship game, 
even with like let's say USC wins out, I still think that it you're gonna have Georgia and LSU in the playoff. Like I don't see how if LSU wins out and wins the SEC championship game against an undefeated Georgia with how good Georgia's played the past couple of weeks. I just I'm sorry, like I think this is gonna be the first year where we see a two loss team in the playoff. But like I said, like it's gonna take a miracle to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So I don't think we're gonna have to to worry about that. TCU what do you do with Tennessee if that happens? I think you I think you gotta leave them out. I like I I because if if you take Georgia and LSU and you and then you take Georgia and Tennessee, if you're deciding, I think you got to put Georgia over Tennessee just because of the head to head. Now this does make an, a difficult argument though, because let's say TCU loses. I don't think, regardless of how they finish the year, if they lose any point in time from here on out, they're not making it in. There's a legit shot that you could. If 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 the Pac-12 sat like right like this would what would have to happen is USC wins out, Oregon wins out, and then somehow Oregon beats SC in the in the Pac-12 championship game. Right, Oregon would represent the Pac in the Rose Bowl. Then you could honestly probably it's probably going to come down. It it would honestly be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and LSU in the college football playoff. I think you could have two. Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. If LSU somehow wins out, and then you have TCU drop a game, and somehow SC can lose, like I think legit, you, I think someone would take the if the game's close, and I know it will be because that's just how the rivalry has it is normally between Ohio State and Michigan. I think this year specifically, it's going to be a really good game, really close. I think regardless. If that scenario plays out, I think you could honestly see Ohio State and Michigan represent the regardless of who wins the the big game here at the end of the year that they would probably represent the Big Ten. So I think we there is a possibility I don't of even know if it would take that much. I think uh, yeah, even honestly. just one one TCU loss. I mean, you yeah. can pretty much bank on the fact that Georgia's going to win out and beat LSU, right? So. That, yeah. that leaves pretty much Georgia at one, the winner of the Big Ten at two, mm-hmm. and then if TCU loses, they're in they're in the number four spot right now. You're opening the door for Tennessee, but then US or LSU gets kicked out, and then all you have is USC, and it's gonna take it's gonna take quite a bit for that USC team to make the the playoff, in my opinion. I don't know if the yeah. committee favors that team very much. I mean. Already, they have LSU higher than USC, right? So, yeah. and LSU has two losses, and you know, both neither one of those losses looks very good for LSU. I mean, they got they got beat by Florida State week one, and then they got manhandled by Tennessee at home. And so, it is um, interesting. Like, if TCU does drop a game, then you, I think that that might be the one scenario where you're right, you do see two Big Ten and two SEC uh, teams in the playoff. And so, but I'd like to see TCU win out. I was surprised by their game this last week. Yeah, I was too. I picked Texas, but um, I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is crazy, but 
let's just jump right in then, Bridge, to the games that we're going to talk about. Let's just um, let's actually go to the ACC real quick because this is a game that me and you both predicted would have a totally different outcome, and that's the Louisville Clemson game. And Clemson dominated the game from from start to finish. Really, I mean, it was it was really not terribly close. I mean, it was seventeen seven at halftime, and then. Clemson just kind of took over from there. I mean, DJ Uyunglele didn't play am- like amazing, but he played well enough for them to easily win. Um, and it also didn't help that Malik Cunningham, you know, he he didn't really play for Louisville at all, and they had to have Domin, their their backup quarterback, come in, who he didn't have a horrendous game, but he still only threw for one seventy five in, in an interception. So, I mean. It, this is why I mean Clemson is just so is such a hard team to peg, right? Like they definitely struggle and lose games that they should easily win. And then when you think that, oh well, yeah, they they're probably going to lose this game, then it, they completely dominate. So I mean, I'm going to tip my hat to Clemson, but a lot of people are saying that Clemson still has a slight chance if they win out, and I don't think that's the case whatsoever, just because of how bad they lost to Notre Dame. I really don't. So. Well, anyway, and the resumes it, of the teams in front of them are so much yeah, better. Yeah, it would they take really are. so much. Their only hope was like to have Tennessee or LSU for sure lose to Arkansas last week and then maybe have Tennessee drop a game or something. Yeah. But I'm surprised that uh, – and it is unfortunate that Millie Cunningham did get hurt and had to come out in that game because mm-hmm. he, he is so effective. I mean – in the quarter and a half that he played, he like broke a 26 yard run. Like that could have happened a few times. So it is unfortunate. And then Clemson still, the one thing that has been consistent over the last few weeks is turnovers. I mean, they still, they, they fumbled it three times. So I, I, yeah, tip your hat off to Clemson. They they got the win. They did what it took. It was also a home game, so it is hard to bet against Clemson when they're playing at home. But, you know, Louisville definitely, they've had their struggles this year as well. So um, I still don't feel like Clemson is that good of a team, but they did run the ball really well. I think that that's something that they should have been able to do all year, really. Um like they should be able to win all of their games just running the ball because Will Shipley is really good and uh he he's one of the better running backs in the country for sure but Clemson did did well in that game and they ran the ball well and they they did what it took even with three turnovers they still won by two touchdowns so uh definitely good win for Clemson there and the committee obviously values Clemson they have them ranked ahead of Alabama so Definitely big for them. And then uh, Boston College beat NC State this week. <laughs> NC State a little overrated. What do you think? Uh, very overrated. Not a They're little. They're still very... ranked. How are they still yeah. ranked? Yeah, that... yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, very overrated. Yes. Look at all of their games. They should have lost week one to East Carolina. East Carolina went for a two-point conversion. Didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> other than that, and then they got beat by Clemson. Almost got beat by Florida State, two-point game. Got beat by Syracuse. Syracuse beat this team. 
and then they only beat Virginia Tech by one point, and then somehow they beat Wake Forest. I don't even know how. And then they just lost to NC or to Boston College by one point. How is this team still ranked? I don't get it. They've had like they play in the worst conference in the country and have like four games that they've won by one point. Yeah, super annoying. But uh, in yeah. North Carolina beat Wake Forest. North Carolina has gotten a little bit better as the season's gone on, haven't they? Yeah, offensively, I think I still think defensively they're probably one of the worst teams in the FBS, honestly, defensively. But yeah, Drake May's been putting on a show for sure. It's um, actually kind of yeah. crazy to look at their schedule and see how many close games that team's been in as well. I, I think that kind of is why the committee hasn't ranked them any higher. Um, what are they at this week now? 12 or 11? Somewhere around there, and they've only lost one game. Yeah. So, definitely interesting with uh, North Carolina. But Yeah, Mo- moving on to the Big 12 bridge. This was a game that you called. I wish I would have called the other way. I mean, I told these thought TCU could win, but TCU ended up taking down Texas 17 to 10 and the score was actually three to nothing at halftime. Like it was a really low scoring game. Um, but let me tell you something. Quinn Ewers has been getting progressively worse as the season has been going on. And I don't know what it is, but this last week he was 17 of 39, right? Completed barely barely over 40% of his passes, and he had an interception. I mean, t- Texas is right now, they're leaning, and, and Bijan Robinson honestly got stuck. He only had 12 carries for 29 yards. Like, why are you not giving him the ball more? But I'm going to tip my hat off to TCU because they were able to get it done in a tough environment, right? Like, Texas's DKR is not an easy place to win for an opposing team, especially at nighttime. Um, TCU was able to hold Texas to 199 total yards of offense. Um, And I mean, Texas was one of 13 on third down and one of four on fourth down. Like TCU really dominated the entire game, even though they only had 283 yards of offense. But this, I mean, this was a big question is how good's TCU's defense, right? Cause like your offense, it's, it's great and all when you have a good offense, but if your defense isn't able to keep good players in check, like you're going to have a hard time, but TCU did a great job of dominating against Quinn Ewers and then shutting down Bijan Robinson to only 29 yards on 12 carries. So it was, it was a really, I mean, it was a slug fest for sure. A low scoring game, maybe not the most exciting game to watch, but I was really impressed with how TCU played in that game, honestly. I just liked how, I mean, yeah, obviously there was a lot of pressure on the TCU defense, and they got the job done. Texas only scored three points offensively, and uh, Texas got a touchdown in late in the fourth quarter from a scoop and score. But other than that, like, and and TCU was actually driving when that happened, so... You know, 17-3, to and then Texas scores that touchdown, 17-10. But then they put the game away just by running the football well. And TCU has one of the uh, top offenses as far as passing goes. But it was just really cool to see them, like, actually lean on their running game to 
get the win. Like that's really what they did. They ran the ball for 160 yards. So, uh, and it was actually more than that. Max Duggan got sacked a few times. So, uh, he actually affects the the yardage by negative 41. So they actually ran for about 210 yards when you take away sacks. So that's actually, it's really impressive. I, I like that TCU won in that manner of just being in a slugfest and running the football to get the win. They didn't have to do anything special. They just, they played football, their defense stood up and they played a great Texas. I mean, Texas has been really good this year and you're right. Like Quinn Ewers, he's, he's definitely struggled and uh, he struggled pretty, pretty bad against TCU, but it's still a really hostile environment. And they went to a night game in Austin and beat Texas. So I really like the win for TCU. There were a, a lot of people thought that TCU was going to lose this game. And uh, even Vegas thought TCU was going to lose the game, and they went out and took care of business. I, I really like it. And so they they earned their spot in the Big 12 championship game, so uh, they're, they're totally in control of of their season right now. They have to play at Baylor this week, and then they have a home game against Iowa State. So they win those two games. You're, you're sitting in a pretty good spot if you're TCU. So I do mm-hmm. like that. And then... Uh, I just wanted to shout out uh, Oklahoma losing. Again. I knew it. West Virginia <laughs> took them down five to five, or five and five. Sorry, <laughs> Oklahoma. They're still not bowl eligible. I don't know. Are they going to make a bowl game this year? What do you think? They got to beat either Oklahoma State this week or not Texas a chance. Tech. Not a chance. You don't if think they they'll don't, make one? If they, if they don't lose Bedlam, they'll lose against Texas Tech. Like, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. They only have to like, win one of them. I know. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's a possibility. But I honestly think it's just as good of a chance that they don't make it that they actually do. So uh, it's it's going to be tough. And I've honestly heard a lot of people, like in, in Norman, just the buzz around Norman is that a lot of people aren't really fond of Brent Venables and how he's operating the team because of, I mean, no Oklahoma team has had the amount of talent that Oklahoma has and has played as poorly as they have. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting off season to see what happens to Oklahoma. Cause I know a cut, I know of, three at the very least three four and five star guys that have already decommitted from OU so it is it's, it's going to be interesting it, for sure it might take some time for him to build that program and hopefully he's the right guy to do it if not then they're gonna have to move on right but yeah uh the big 10 we didn't have too many uh surprising games did we uh other than the fact that Purdue beat Illinois Ah, uh, the spoiler makers. Yes, spoiler makers. Somehow, <laughs> like, still in the race to win the Big Ten West. <laughs> well, and they're six just, and four. It's crazy because Purdue actually played really solid offensively, which was shocking. I mean, Aiden O'Connell had was twenty five of forty for two thirty seven and three touchdowns. Granted, he did throw an interception, but. I mean, Purdue was able to run the ball. They were able to pass the ball. And this was 
you know, statistically, this was the best defense in the country, better than Georgia's statistically, right? In in scoring and in rushing yards. And I mean, Purdue had 142 rushing yards. Um, I wish that they would make a, a like a statistical analysis based on like the strengths of the, the offense or the defense that they're playing. I wish that they yeah. would do that because there's no way that Illinois, based on their schedule, has a better defense than Georgia. It's like so. Yeah. It's so like obviously um, swayed in that way. Like I wish that they could come up with like some formula or some way to like say, oh well, Georgia played Tennessee, which it was the number one offense in the country going into that game, and then this is how they performed. Okay. This is the best defense, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Yeah. I just, I mean, but me and you called it bridge, right? Like we knew Illinois was going to be Illinois and I mean, they've lost the last two games, which has been shocking because they lost to Michigan state. Who's a train wreck right now with half their defense in custody. So like, the, like, I don't know. I just don't understand. And then they lose to Purdue who I'm going to, I'm going to say Purdue's probably the best six and four team out there. Like they, we and you've talked about this, like they're, they're a solid team, but I just, and, and it would have either happened last week or this week, right? Like Illinois statistically is the best defense, but you really think that Illinois has a shot in the big house against Michigan who like you were talking before the show bridge, like, Michigan's number one thing is run the ball, but everyone knows what they're going to do, but they still line up and they still do it to you. And that's, that's like what Michigan is kind of there. That's what their identity is. So I just, I mean, Illinois would have had it done this weekend versus last, but it's just crazy that Illinois dropped two in a row when statistically, you know, best defense, um, now I'm not going to give, I'm not going to knock Chase Brown. I still think Chase Brown's one of the best running backs in the country. Honestly, he yards wise, he is, he's leading the FBS right now in yards, total yards. But, um, it, you know, I just, it's crazy though, because Purdue actually right now is in first place in the West at six and four and they're four and three in the big 10 and they're and they're sitting first place. And the crazy thing is is there's four teams that are 4 and 3 in the Big 10 West. There's Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And Illinois now. Never mind, there's five. Okay, there's five. Um, <laughs> which is crazy. Like technically all of them could still win it if the chips fall, you know, pretty dang good, but Purdue as of right now controls their own destiny and they only have Northwestern, which will be a win. I mean, Northwestern's that bad. And Purdue's right now is favored 18 and a half. And then they go to Bloomington, Indiana. So they go to Indiana, which isn't really going to be that hard of a game. So I think well, Purdue's Indiana's probably not in West. their side of the Indiana's in the east side of the conference. So yeah. if even if they lose to Indiana, as far as the West goes, they could still stay on top. Yeah, so it's with it's a win crazy. over Northwestern, they'll be on top. So yeah, definitely so. interesting. But the difference between Illinois and Michigan is they they are both one dimensional. They both run the ball, and a lot of Chase Brown's success came early in the season 
Well, that's yeah. because Illinois was running the ball really well in the beginning of the season. And obviously, Chase Brown doesn't have to split carries, and he gets a lot of carries per game, which is totally fine. If if you're one-dimensional and it works, then yeah. do it, right? Why, If mm-hmm. it's not broke, why fix it? The difference yeah. is, is teams have learned that like that's what Illinois is trying to do, and so like they can stop that and then still win, like and win the game. And so yeah. we've seen if they stop Chase Brown, they win the game. Likewise with Michigan, if you could stop Michigan's run game, I'd argue you could probably win the game. But the difference is, is that nobody's been able to. You can't. You know it's coming, and they still do it. They still do it effectively, and that's the biggest difference. Is teams that know Illinois is going to run the run the ball like in. Obviously, there's a talent difference. Illinois yeah. doesn't recruit even close to what these other Big Ten teams do. So definitely a talent difference. I am impressed with what Illinois has been able to do mm-hmm. this season with what they have, which yes. is really cool. But at the end of the day, it is still Illinois. There's still a, a bottom-tier program in the Big Ten. And, you know, Michigan's going to manhandle it. Like, there's no way that Illinois even comes close. So, um but definitely props to Illinois. I mean, they're bowl eligible and we're, we're not done with the season. So it's not like they had to wait till the last week to get a win to make a bowl game. So mm-hmm. definitely uh, good for the Illinois program. But this week uh, against Michigan, they're definitely uh, going to be the inferior opponent. But uh, we kind of touched on some of the, you know, just mentioning that the Pac-12 kind of hurt their chances to make the college football playoff this week. Do you want to talk about what happened to your Oregon Ducks or? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, gonna... I'm, I mean, it's Wednesday now, so I've, I've had a lot of time to defuse my yeah, yeah, anger. Okay. Um, <laughs> this was, this was a great game. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was, if you, if you like offensive fireworks, this was probably the best game. One, uh, one of the best games this season, just in terms of, of, deep plays because I think combined both teams combined had six plays that were 40 plus yard touchdowns like it's just it's just crazy um first down wise Oregon had 32 to Washington's 23 I'm let's let's just start with this Washington ended up winning the game 37 to 34 but Oregon I mean had 592 total yards of offense and Washington had 522 Oregon was a lot more balanced. Washington had 408 passing. Michael Penix lit it up. Like there's no there's no you know cute way around it. Like Michael Penix dominated our defensive back. So it was embarrassing and I was getting very frustrated. But running the ball, we had 312 rushing yards, right? Oregon did and 280 passing. Bonix played phenomenal, but just I mean towards the end of the game it, I'm not I'm not blaming anything. I'm not blaming the refs. I'm not blaming anything. I'm just saying Washington were some lucky sons guns because Oregon had the ball for 13 out of the 15 minutes in that final quarter and still ended up losing. So I mean it was it was tough, but you know, I'm going to give props where you got to give props to Michael Penix Jr is um you know, he's easily one of the best. I would honestly say passing the ball, he's easily the best quarterback in the Pac twelve. And and next to CJ Stroud, one of the best at at doing at at throwing the ball. So 
Um, great game, great offensive fireworks, but you said it best bridge, you know, Pac-12 shot themselves, Oregon, you know, won't be able to make the, the pack or excuse me, the CFP, but still has a chance of making the Pac-12 championship if they just beat Utah and Oregon state, um, in their final two games, but, um, really good game. But, you know, sadly, I got to give props to Washington because, you know, they, they made the plays when it mattered most. So. Yeah, I think that we kind of talked about this before the game even happened was the fact that Washington went into this game with the number one passing offense in the country and Oregon had the 117th uh, ranked pass defense. So you put two and two together, like you can kind of get that outcome. But I will say that... Oregon definitely looked like the better, more complete, balanced team. But Washington just offensively, man, they they took advantage of Oregon's secondary and and uh, obviously threw all over them. I mean, the second half was just impressive what Washington was able to do offensively because uh, going into half, uh, they had only scored uh, 13 points. So... You know, definitely, um, you know, yeah, like they made some adjustments at halftime, but props to Washington. They, they've they bounced back and they beat a really good Oregon team. They snapped the, the home win streak. What was it? 24? 23. 23. 23 home games. So definitely unfortunate that Oregon went down because they were sitting in a really good position at number six in the country, but they uh, couldn't, couldn't get it done. But, you know, the other team, UCLA, man, (laughs) how unfortunate is that you lose to Arizona of all teams at home. Yeah. Yeah. In the Rose bowl, man, that's a, I don't know how you let that happen, but you know, we, we were looking at this upcoming weekend kind of being like the semifinals for, the Pac-12 pretty much with uh, Oregon and Utah and USC and UCLA. So, but now it's looking a little bit different. It's not as exciting if, as if both those teams would have won, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, man, I can't believe that UCLA dropped this game to Arizona, especially at home. That's really really surprising. It is. And I think that UCLA fans should be ashamed of themselves because there has, like, in my opinion, going on the road to play UCLA is kind of like a neutral site game. Like, UCLA fans just don't go to football games. And I don't know why. Because I'm looking at this right now. The attendance was only 50%. UCLA is 8-1. and Easily could win the Pac-12 championship if they win out. And potentially go to the CFP, right? Like they're that good of a team. And you only fill up the stadium 50%? Like Yeah. So like I don't think Arizona had to deal with crowd noise. You, oh, they didn't at all. I mean, you have you can fit 90,000 and you only got 44 there. It's like how do you let that happen? And it was yeah, a night game. UCLA was favored by 20. And they it's a night lost. game. Who? Yeah. Who doesn't go to a night football game when UCLA's at home? 
maybe ranked that's number just the 12 in the country. Being in uh, L.A., I guess. I guess, yeah. I, I Maybe too many uh, rich people or something. I don't know. <laughs> too many people have better things to do than go to a football game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's I was actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I just was looking at that. I was like, man, that's crazy because it's a Rose Bowl stadium. It's a historic location. And you have a really, this football team that wasn't supposed to be that good this year turned out to be really good. They're ranked number 12 in the country. So have high hopes and you only have 44,000 people show up. Yeah, props to Arizona, though, because UCLA had to try to come back and win that game. So it wasn't even like UCLA was, you know, leading the whole game and then Arizona took the lead at the end. No, Arizona was dominant, really dominated the whole game. And UCLA had to try to come back and just, you know, got denied at the very end. But I mean, yeah, it's the the Pac-12 just cannibalizes themselves like they really do they just beat the crap out of each other and it's just like that's why no Pac-12 team can in my opinion is going to get into the playoff this year because I honestly think that USC is probably going to lose either to UCLA or to Oregon or Utah in the Pac-12 championship game so yeah, I mean it's what. What's impressive is Arizona and their passing game. They were twenty three of twenty nine, and had uh, eleven yards per pass. That's that's pretty impressive. Just thought that that was kind of a crazy statistic against that defense. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that's just, the same just crazy that really contained Utah for most of the game and beat Washington. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely kind of a crazy game for UCLA to lose. I, I'm for sure. surprised by that, if you can't tell. <laughs> I I am too. And honestly, I was more surprised that UCLA lost than, than Oregon did because – I mean, Washington's still a good football. It's not Arizona's not a good team. Guys, they were three and six going into that game. Like and that's a home game for UCLA. That's yeah, it was too bad. But let's let's how, go to the How real surprised conf- were you that LSU only beat Arkansas by three? Yeah, let's go to the SEC right now. I was shocked. I was I was shocked. And and the reason is is because Arkansas played their whole played a lot of their game without KJ Jefferson. It's it's not like you know, it's not like Arkansas was fully healthy and so was LSU. It was like Jaden Daniels, okay, he was 8 for 15, 86 yards and an interception. That's garbage. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. Arkansas's backup quarterback was 8 for 13, 92 yards and a touchdown. He played better than Daniels. Like that game was so sloppy, both sides. Like it was just, it was awful. Both teams had two turnovers. Um, LSU had more total yards, barely. It was 284 to 249. Both teams had 15 first downs. Like it was just a garbage dump. And I totally, Bridge, I, I know me and you kind of talked about it on Saturday, but I mean, 
anybody in their right mind would have thought that LSU would have beaten Arkansas way more than by three, which is what Vegas pegged them at. And I think that's why a lot of people made that bet is because did like you, that's easy. Did you see to that statistic? On. This was the most bet on game in like the history of like like college football and NFL. Yeah. That's crazy. Something like that. That could be inaccurate. But I saw a statistic, something like that, and I it blew my mind. I was like, holy cow. Like, or maybe it was just this year, maybe not history, but maybe it was just this year. I can't remember. But like it, it was like one of the highest bet on spreads ever. And I was like, wow. Vegas knows something that we don't like it's like Vegas knew that I LSU guess. would turn it over inside their own twenty twice. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but yeah. you you nailed it on the on the money with uh, just one word sloppy. It was just a sloppy game, like horrible game. Like LSU could not block offensively. Their O line was horrible this game. How many times he got Jaden Daniels got sacked? I mean, it's he he ran the ball nineteen times for ten yards at half a yard a carry. So. Not the offense that we've seen, uh, like the offense that beat Alabama. Definitely not. So I was very surprised by this game. But Vegas knows something we don't. I was also, I guess, not surprised that Vanderbilt (laughs) beat Kentucky. I mean, talk about SEC uh, bias in its purest form. You just ranked Kentucky, and we were talking about how we didn't know how Kentucky was ranked, and then Vanderbilt goes to their house and beats them. Thank you, And ends their 26-game conference game losing streak. 26. Thank you, Vanderbilt. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it... And and me and you were also talking about this, Bridge. Like, how in the world is Will Levis even considered an NFL... uh, Like... I can honestly any I would take so many quarterbacks above Will Levis because he threw for twenty three times, only completed eleven, so below fifty percent, one oh nine and an interception. Like that's the Bro, number one quarterback in the draft. The, he got outplayed by Mike Wright, the Vanderbilt quarterback, like hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> like the Vanderbilt quarterback had a QBR of 94.6 and Will Levis had a 15.5. That's like Spencer Petra's numbers, the quarterback for Iowa. So, bro, I don't understand. Like, Will Levis last year was pretty good. I will say that. I mean, that's why his name is even known is because of last year. Last year he played good. This yeah. year, he hasn't done anything. I don't understand why he's so highly like favored in the NFL draft, uh, like prospecting board that these NFL analysts are coming up with. I don't know how that's happening. I don't think that he'll actually get picked that high. I think that might just, I, I don't know. There, you can't keep playing like this and... And make it in in the first round of the NFL draft, in my opinion. I but oh, hands down. I mean, but I am just glad that Kentucky lost this game because 
They shouldn't have been ranked number 24. It showed some SEC bias. They were trying to get this Kentucky-Georgia matchup this week to be ranked or whatever they were doing, but Kentucky shouldn't have been ranked number 24. Vanderbilt proved that. Thank you, Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. It was sloppy game by Kentucky, and it has been for the past couple of weeks, so... Uh, moving on, let's let's talk about oh let's before we get into the Bama Ole Miss game, which was the best SEC game of the week. Let's also mention, give a shout out to our good boy Jimbo Fisher for losing another game, and not only losing but losing to Auburn. So and losing great bowl job eligibility and losing bowl eligibility on top of this being your fourth year at A and M. Crazy, wow! Like that, it's just crazy is, that. Uh, the Texas A&M interim head coach, he makes uh, $400,000 a year, and uh, Jimbo makes $9 million. <laughs> The guy that makes uh, $400,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah, Auburn... <laughs> Auburn is sometimes like a sleeper team, but Texas A&M is just garbage, so... Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't like Jimbo Fisher at all, but <laughs> just kind of crazy. Oh, it's not that I don't like that. him. I mean, it's just it's crazy not that, that I don't they have like the number him. one recruiting class and then yes. turn around and do this. Did you? I did. Uh, they are the first team to follow up a number one recruiting class with a losing season ever. The first team ever to do that. Which is crazy, <laughs> but uh, and what's crazy is they still have a lot of talent. It's not like uh, all of that that recruiting class that they just had is like oh like let's wait two or three years and then they'll all be good and then Texas A and M is gonna be really good. It's it's not like that. They they already have a lot of talent on the team. They've had good recruiting classes for a long time. They just happen to have the number one class last year, so it's not. Like that, it's just they need some sort of change. Like they do this every year. Texas A&M needs some change. Jimbo can't; he cannot continue calling the place. He just can't. It doesn't make any sense. He needs an offensive coordinator that can do something offensively because their defense is pretty good. They just their offense has been terrible this year. So, I mean, how do you get? Even against Alabama, how do you get down to the two-yard line and your go-to play is uh, that pass play towards the front pylon? Like, I don't even know what that was. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, crazy that Auburn season has turned out what it, what it has. Yeah, and it's not that I don't like Jimbo Fisher. I just think it's funny that you have the number one recruiting class and then after he lost the Auburn game he says oh well you know you got everyone just wait like we're going to be a lot better next year like dude this is your fourth year as the head coach at Texas A&M and you're telling people you're going to be better next year like no you were supposed to be a 10 plus win team last year and you weren't and you were supposed to be this year and you were like A&M was ranked at sixth to start the year and they're three and seven now like just just uh, i mean it's not that i don't like him i just feel like he's very overpaid and honestly i would not be surprised if a&m 
considers a buyout. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't either. But um, Ole Miss and Alabama sure was a good game, but we might have uh, good old Lane Kiffin heading over there to Auburn. See, yeah, I we've seen a, a few reports on that, and Carson called that one on the money. So it does look like uh, Lane Kiffin is is thinking about taking this Auburn job. Auburn is definitely mm-hmm. a better program than Ole Miss. Yeah, what do you think about that? Oh, hands down, and I don't think it needs to be a diss necessarily to Ole Miss, but you know they just don't have the facilities or really the recruiting capability and NIL capability that Auburn has. And Auburn just got brand new facilities. And you know what? And Lane Kiffin said this a couple of weeks ago. He said he was pretty upset about the home crowd, especially the student section, because he felt like they were being more rowdy and disruptive at tailgating than they were actually at the home game. And so I just think you know, I just think Lane Kiffin's kind of hitting his ceiling right now at Ole Miss. I think he can consistently go nine and three, eight and two, eleven and one at Ole Miss, but I just don't think he'll ever be a national title contending team, just because of there's too many big powerhouses in the SEC that can out recruit Ole Miss, um, Auburn being one of them. So I think it would be a smart move for Lane Kiffin because you definitely want to take a job like that. Only if it makes sense, and I feel like it does for Lane Kiffin, just because he's done everything he, you know, he's been asked of at Ole Miss. He really has, and I just, you know, I, 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 I think he's going to end up at Auburn. You're right, Bridge. I, I did call it. I think it's going to happen. But um, kind of reflecting on the game, can we freaking? I, I would not even be mad if Bryce Young got the Heisman again because I think he deserves it because this dude is literally a one-man army when he's on offense like he is getting hardly any help from his offensive players like he's having to roll out scramble I mean keep plays alive extend drives like all by himself like this my hat's off to Bryce Young um and and to your point Bridge you know Bama won 30 to 24 really good game but Ole Miss had some questionable calls. I know towards the end of the game, right, you're down by six, you have to get it in the end zone, and you're at the 18-yard line, but you've been running the ball, gashing Alabama's defense, and then you decide to throw it four straight times and turn the ball over on downs. Like I That, that part just didn't really make sense to me. Um, Jackson Dart didn't even have a horrible game. He, he actually played half-decent against Alabama. Um, Judkins, Ole Miss's true freshman running back, had a stellar day of 135 yards and two touchdowns. So Ole Miss played really good, but they just didn't execute towards the end. And Bryce Young, again, because like I said, he he doesn't have any help on that offense besides maybe Jameer Gibbs. And if that, because Gibbs is only in half the time. So props to Alabama, props to Bryce Young especially, because that kid is literally the heart and soul of that whole team it is actually crazy because that game it actually was one of the few times that i've watched an alabama game where i was like Ole miss looks like the better team like i like Ole miss was in control for a lot of that game and they looked like a better team 
and in my opinion. And if it wasn't for Bryce Young, man, dude, that guy is just crazy. He carries their team on his shoulders every every week. And yeah, I'm impressed that Alabama won, but Ole Miss also shot themselves in the foot a few times. I mean, their opening drive, they made it to the 12-yard line and tried to go for it on fourth and two. Probably should have settled for a field goal, uh, which would have eventually led them to kicking a field goal on that last drive of the game, which mm-hmm. could have tied it up for overtime. Um, there's a million what-if scenarios. I feel like the officiating was pretty poor. Uh, there were a lot of missed calls, um, but uh, not that those are reasons why Ole Miss should have won the game. But I just I did feel like Ole Miss was the better team other than Bryce Young. I mean, Ole Miss held Jameer Gibbs to six carries and only three yards. Uh, that's pretty amazing because uh, Jameer Gibbs is a freak. So. Uh, I don't think he'll ever put up a, a statistic like he just did this week. Uh, that that poor of a statistic, I, I mean. So, yeah, I, the one thing uh, that I am worried about with Alabama is their run game. Their run game is has struggled all year, and it's kept them from being uh, elite on offense. But uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about that game. It's same old, same old, like. Bryce Young's amazing. That's what it's taken Alabama to win most of their games this year is Bryce Young being amazing. If it wasn't for that, then we'd have uh, Alabama with probably four losses on the season. So, uh, But, you know, Ole Miss, I don't understand why that last drive, they made it down to the 14-yard line running the ball, and you still have plenty of time and you throw the ball four times, like, what are you doing? Keep running the ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Just run the ball. It's been working all game. And Judkins had an amazing game. So uh, definitely uh, interesting play calling there towards the end. But Alabama got the win, and I took the L uh, with that <laughs> with Colin uh, Ole Miss Dubs. So. That's that's my only take on that game. Yeah, I mean it was it was a really good game. Um, yeah, Ole Miss definitely shot themselves in the foot, I think, because they definitely had uh, the opportunity to win that game uh, for sure. But I mean, it was it was a crazy week in, in general. I mean, a lot of crazy things. But this upcoming weekend is going to be really big. I mean, we got a lot of really solid matchups. So I'm excited to see what uh, this weekend's going to have. We'll probably have that episode out on, should be around Friday for you guys. We'll give Bridger a little rest so that he can get feeling a little bit better. But um, <laughs> thank you all so much for, for listening and for tuning in. Um, thank you all so much. Uh, make sure you share this with, with people who you think might like this. I mean, we love, me and Bridge love talking about it. It's our easily the best best sport in the world. So. Um, anyway, we'll see you all Friday for our picks. Uh, thanks for listening.